Welcome back to the Scare Step Podcast. This is your host, Mike, and my co-host, Scott. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm not going to lie. I had a rough start to my day, but this is a good end to it. I can definitely agree on both of those points. This is the film you wanted me to watch, so you please introduce it. So this is The Burning, which is one of the uh, premier slashers of the 80s. And uh, I've been kind of trying to beg Scott to watch this for like three years. And we finally found an excuse to do it this week. And it's not from a, a place of not caring or not wanting No, to you just it. didn't it's, have it. Yeah, and I got it, knew that we were going to watch this at some point on the podcast. And I was looking forward to it. And I had a fantastic time. I loved the movie. I think we're going to start off with something you said not too long ago. Because you talk about how 81 was a golden year for like horror films. You've mentioned this in the American Werewolf episode because that came out in 81. We talk about The Howling in the, the last episode, which is also 81. As was this film and another film we talked about a few weeks back, Friday Part 2. So yes. 81 is very prominent for horror. You Funnily say enough. It's a golden age for horror in general yeah i mean like the 80s in general are a a second coming for horror but uh 81 saw the release of a lot of big films particularly franchise films but also original films also camp films (laughs) yeah apparently apparently camp films but uh you know you had titans of the the genre released this year you had movies like the evil dead you had Halloween 2 finally releasing in 81. You had Friday Part 2. You had The Burning. You had American Werewolf. You had fucking... Um, the Howling. The Howling. My you had Valentine. My Live Valentine. The Prowler. Madman. Another American Ma- classic. I you know we're going to have I, to watch this at some point. Cause I, we've mentioned it in like at least four episodes. I definitely didn't want to bring that one up. <laughs> but actually, we will talk about Madman in this episode. We have to. For obvious reasons. Yeah. But also want like like little known ones like Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, which was a TV slasher, which was really awesome. You know, it, there there was a lot Dead and Buried. You know, The Fun House, Wolfen. You know, Hell Knight. There's there's so many. The Prowler. I said The Prowler. You know, there's so many big. I, I mean, I guess some of them are not the biggest films. Like The Burning is a movie that is known very well within the slasher community, but it's I would big argue... in abundance, though. Like all these coming out the same year, like, yeah, that's 100%. what makes it so big. Yes, American Werewolf is a fantastic, popular film, and maybe The Burning's not as popular, but knowing that this all came on '81 made '81 ridiculous. It's a, a year that it's unfortunate we couldn't live through because of all these films being released. Yeah, and. I would argue, you know, even within just the subgenre of slashers, I would say The Burning would almost be called a B-tier slasher, and that's not quality-wise, because it is one of the best slashers ever made, in my opinion. But as far as, like, public knowledge is concerned, I would say it's probably a B-tier slasher, because this is not going to be put in the same recognizability as Halloween or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, all the big franchises. But that's kind of the fun part about it because it's it's kind of a misnomer. It's kind of an unknown kind of movie. It's kind of it, it's a step above something like a sleepaway camp, which I would say is probably a C tier for most people's knowledge. I, I think there's so much to talk about in this, and I want to talk about a lot of these things. I want to talk about a lot of the background knowledge and a lot of the, the stuff that sets up how the movie's going to go, the background information that lends to why this film was made. But we should definitely talk about the synopsis of the film first. What happens? 
the background, and then we'll get on to that stuff. It's just I'm really excited to mention some things, talk about yeah. some debate Not so great parts, points. but yeah. yeah. So the burning is about it's it's basically what you think of. if you went to camp to, to camps as a kid you probably heard the story of Cropsey but it's all about a man who gets burnt beyond recognition who at a camp who comes back to take vengeance upon the camp pretty simple premise but it it lends to some just amazing amazing sequences and I I like the fact that you know this this is a slasher you know you get your kills you get your you know your your normal staples of the slasher job. But you also get a pretty legit camp movie, too. Yes. Like, I would say that more so because we were talking about, um, you and I were talking about Fear Street Part 2. Yes. And how that's like Friday 13th Part 2 meets, or Friday 13th in general, meets Meatballs. Now I would walk that back and say, I think that Fear Street Part 2 is the burning meets Meatballs. In sheer viciousness, especially... I think it's more about but because they focus on the camp stuff. Like, because it gets a lot of aspects about Friday, with the way some of the characters are portrayed, yeah. the way that follows like the killer more in some aspects, and I think the intensity is like the burning. The camp setting is more like the burning because it follows the teenagers a lot. Yeah. And I think the movie's awesome. I, I love the teenagers in this movie. I love the characters in the movie. When someone dies, you're like, that fucking sucks. You know, I hate that. Yeah, there's very few characters in this movie that die where I'm like, that... Unless okay. they're cool. unless they're deserving to, to die. I'm yeah, like, and, they and they very... that up a few times. Yeah, they very distinctly have at least two characters in this movie, I would say, that most people... You're des- that are designed for you not to like. But none of the stuff that they do is ever portrayed as good. You gotta give that kind of credit. I know that Savini does the effects in this movie, as he did on part the first one and, and, part four. and four of course he says he did the burning instead of doing friday part two he which is he funny to do this one which and is funny considering what he said on the friday documentary i don't know if i believe him in, in any aspect he, he kind of just follows around why he did this or what happened or whatever but regardless of that his interview on the burning blu-ray has me convinced he hasn't watched any of them besides the first and maybe the uh, yeah, because he, he used it. He, he was in uh, that, obviously. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Because we know in, in in the burning, first of all, I'll, I'll say in the burning, there are at least two characters you're supposed to hate. So when they die, you feel like, yeah, fuck him, right? At yeah. least two characters. Maybe there's more you don't like. I don't know. I wouldn't agree. I only counted two. For, yeah, I would say so. it's just two. There's a, a good hero that you're supposed to follow because he does show that he cares about his, his kids. And then there's the weird kid who's very much... Like the Crosby, uh, the Cropsey killer, who very much gets shit on, and yeah. you know, because he has that hero character to help him out, he he help, he saves the day. You know, yeah, it, that's the whole moral of the story. If you have friends, you know, you can change who you are. Pretty much, it's yeah. cool. Very camp feeling, you know, one of those kind of you know, sing around the sing around the fire camp song kind of things. Yeah, would you say there's any real likable characters in the first round of thirteenth? Really likable characters. I don't mean just like, oh yeah, he's cool or whatever. Oh, Crosby's son. Yes, I like the I like him. I'll say, but he's barely in it. Like likable presence, sure. But as far as like actually like 
likable, full-on characters that you watch interact consistently and have fun with? No, not That's really. The thing like he's got a great charisma to him. But Kevin, it's not Kevin the Bacon, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But besides that, there's not a huge likability to this cast. It's like Kevin Bacon's got a charisma to him, but he's an asshole. You know. Yeah. Alice is a nice girl, but you don't know much about her. There's not enough dialogue that makes you feel like I need to know more for Alice. You just don't want her to die because you're like, oh, it kind of sucks if she dies for nothing. But in this movie, there's a whole lot of likable characters. There are two characters that are purposely not likable. Savini says on the Blu-ray, you know, the burning's different than Friday. You know, when you're watching Friday, you want these kids to die. You're like, I wish I could all die right away. But in the burning, you don't feel that way. And I sat there and I literally said out loud, is he fucking stupid? <laughs> like, even the one he worked on afterwards, part four, there's likable fucking characters, man. Like, yeah, a lot, most of them are likable. Like, if you put this next to part two of Friday, there are more likable characters in part two, realistically. I'm not saying they're better characters. Don't get me wrong. There are at least two well, unlikable characters. characters in The Burning that you're supposed to not like. Yes. Name two in part two that you're not supposed to like. You could say, I don't like Scott because he's a bit of a fucking Yeah, you, you could argue he's the guy that you're probably not supposed to like the most. Yes. You I mean, I guess you, you could argue that the the um, the two the two lovers that go to uh, Crystal Lake are kind of, like, stupid for going there, but you also can just blame that on them being teenagers. Are they any dumber than any of the teenagers in The Burning, though? Because Jeff has shown a scene where he's sympathetic towards his actions when yeah. he defends Paul to the police. Yeah. If you want to take dialogue written in the movie, you can see sympathy towards these characters. They may be teenagers and get into some dumb shit. He, you know, he fuck arounds, he cheats against Mark. Like, fine, but they're not unlikable characters. If you're yeah. listening to the dialogue and following the movie, they're not supposed to be unlikable. Yeah. It's like the same as The Burning. These I would films argue, came out the same year. I would argue that there's not more likable characters in Friday than in The Burning because there's only two characters that you're not supposed to like. There's more characters in The Burning. There are more. There's a, and there's more likable presences in The Burning because uh, there's more characters. It's not really fair. There, the cast is larger. The cast is larger, but... Overall, well-drawn characters. There are some characters. people that die in The Burning that don't have any real dialogue or have any scenes. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the bigger girl who pushes, the douchebag bully, she doesn't actually have dialogue. A few of the girls don't yeah. have any real dialogue besides just saying shit. And that's fine. They, they're perfect because they're talking together. A lot of the banter feels so organic, like it's kids having fun. And yeah. that's, that's the best part about the movie. You never feel like these kids are being scripted, just saying some shit that doesn't make sense. The dialogue is very natural because these kids are just saying whatever the fuck they want. And I like that. The, yeah, they're often featured extras. Yeah, and they die. It's really no different, though, when you think about the extras in the beginning that don't come back to the camp in part two in Pakenak. Yeah. A lot of those characters are the exact same way, except they don't join and stay at the camp and they don't become cannon fodder. Yeah. I would say it's very similar. I'm not saying part two is better. I'm just saying that statement is fucking dumb. No, I mean, your preachers are required. That's my favorite Friday movie. Yeah, so. like, <laughs> I just think these are both coming out in 81. They're very similar. Yeah. They're, they talk about the legend of Jason, the same thing as Legend of, Gro- of Gropsy, at, like, pretty much in the same exact place in the movie. Yeah. You know, the co- like the opening where Cropsy gets burned is very similar to, like, 
showing what happened in the last movie about Jason and everything and building up to him killing Alice. And Jason's mama. Yes. Dying. So a lot of this, these films are very similar. And I'd have to assume that people that are working on each of these films are like passing notes or something in class because there's so many similarities. You can, there's a lot of similarities in Mad Men too, but in Mad Men it really does just come down to it's in the fucking woods. We have we talk about the legend, and then that shit's just its own thing. I would argue though that a lot of the way that these, uh, especially between the Friday movies, this has similarities to it is because. They're both based on camp culture. Yes. And, you know, obviously talk, talking about, uh, you know, scary stories around the, the campfire, that's something that's just like, that's natural. It happens at camp all the time. And it's, it seems like something that you would think would make the movie less interesting because it's something that we've seen before it in, would, in a it high profile so well Exactly. That's why, like, everybody always talks about how, like, oh, um, slashers are formulaic. Or any, literally any genre you want to talk about being formulaic. Yes. But as long as the formula... They get a little horror gets it a lot, but, yeah. you know, uh, slashers get it all the time. It's like, oh, it's just the same thing over and over again. But if it's well executed, I don't give a fuck, dude. If there's characters I like, I don't give a fuck. And The Burning has that for days. Again, only two characters that are not likable, and they are deliberately unlikable. Unlike yeah. someone like maybe in part four, like um, Ted, who's not likable, like, but it's not intentionally deliberate. I think. Like he's supposed to be an asshole, but they're trying to portray him as the kind of like likable oh, dick, yeah. and he's not a likable dick. He's just a dick. So these people, they're like one of them's a bully. Yeah, and, he's, and he's one of them to be a bully, yeah. and one of them is very very um handsy and misogynistic and they, yes they are both portrayed that way and neither one of them gets away with that they both get scenes where their deaths long are brutal deaths too yeah their deaths so are they brutal. get their just desserts actually I, technically they both die the same way both yes. get they both get the hedge clippers in the neck yeah i I just think that statement by Savini is really fucking ridiculous. The, yeah. the, the only difference the burning has is the main character has an actual history with the killer. That's the yes. biggest edge this movie has over part two. And something that, that um, when you know that fact, because obviously they don't really reveal that till the end. Well, I mean, if you pay attention in the beginning. Yeah, but know, most people I, are kind. Of, most people kind of just when they're watching movies at the beginning, so they bring really? it back around at the did, end. Well, when you watched it the first time, did you see that coming? I honestly don't remember ever hearing his name at the beginning. I'll say this much: so. I didn't know he was one of the older men that, like, in the scene that that was responsible. I thought he was the younger kid with the glasses, but I knew he was one of the ones responsible, especially because he says to Alfred, like, you know, five years ago, I got kicked out of camp. I'm like, you got kicked out of camp because you fucking burned someone alive, bro. Like, it's a little different than being a weirdo. I was kind of... One of the things I am a little bit unclear about in this movie sometimes is how old certain characters are. Yeah, are they counselors? Because, like, how how old is... How old is fucking... What's his name? Uh, The bully. Oh, the bully? bully? Dude, he's... Eddie's the same age as, as, um, as Todd. You can tell that they're both because they they put him like t- take take charge kind of you know. The bully has to be the same age. That's my thing though, because I looked at the bully because he's blonde. Yeah. I thought he was the fucking nerd at the beginning. Oh really? 
Like, but that was going to be his whole thing was like he he's he's involved in that situation and that kind of trauma of having been part of the stuff with Cropsy turned him into an asshole to kind of like repress those feelings, which I thought would have been fascinating if they did that. But they didn't do it. It's all it's just me speculating, yeah. speculating and, and, and drawing different conclusions. But it's obviously there's nothing there to support it. I just thought that'd be funny. It'd be cool if they, if they redid the movie and they did a reboot and they just hit at that. Because I thought the kid with the glasses was just going to be tied. Like he could dye his hair black. Who fucking cares? Because that kid's the only kid who hesitates. Yeah, they focus on him deliberately. Yeah. But also, I think that that's kind of smart. It is because, because it's not him. Yeah, because they divert attention from him because the guy that we like so much, Todd, it's pretty was like gung ho about it. It's like, yeah. yes, I want to fucking scare the shit out of this guy. Yeah. So it's kind of it flips it on a he- on its head and it actually makes it more interesting. See, the best thing about the backstory in this movie too is that he says that. Uh, Crops, he was a fucking piece of shit. He's abusive. He's sadistic. It's like, yeah, it's a good thing that's in there because you're looking like a real piece of shit. Yeah, otherwise it's pretty bad. Well, they they specify like how he's an alcoholic and yes, he's a fucked up individual. So it's like you don't feel too too bad when it happens. Also, now that I've like you know grown up and I've seen stuff because obviously I've seen stuff before this that are kind of reminiscent of it. Something about this really reminded me of Hatchet. I don't know if you've seen Hatchet. Yeah, it, it something about Victor Crowley's origin and Cropsey's origin kind of reminds me of each other. I don't know if maybe Victor Crowley's inspired by Crop, the Cropsey legend or what. I think the design is. Yeah, he's fucking horrifying. <laughs> he's he's definitely inspired by I would say Cropsey and Jason. Yes, because you can see in his face how fucked up like his his fucked up face looks a lot like what you'd picture honestly what you would picture hillbilly jason for part two looking yeah, like yeah well I, I was gonna say specifically part so, two yeah hatchet's interesting don't know how how much you would enjoy that it's definitely a uh, meta slasher but i definitely like the best act- aspect about this movie is the camp setting is the camp kids and everything they're oh, all yeah. likable they're all fun you know so at the so at the end of the last episode i told you um why do i keep forgetting his name from Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, George Costanza. How did you like George Costanza? He's, awesome. he's my favorite fucking. He might be my favorite character in the movie. He's, I, he doesn't even really get that much to do. I but biasly, every time that he every time that he interacts with someone, it is fucking gold. Yeah, I biasly liked um, some of the other kids a little bit more because they're yeah. just like likable and they're do. fun and they're just weaselly. Like I like Woodstock a lot, but Costanza is so funny. Like. They knew they picked up a fucking comedian. They're like, I'm not writing him a script. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> do what so you funny. Want. His delivery is the same as Seinfeld. It's the exact same. Yeah. The way he, he sets just, up he jokes, has... the way he fucking, like, just punches in and just gives his natural charisma. He's so fucking funny. He has he has a sarcastic New York, like, air about him that's really funny. There's never a scene where someone gives him shit where you feel like, well, he's not going to win in this, this dialogue debate right he, now. He's, he's going to even... fuck you guys up. He even dunks the fuck out of the bully. Dude, I love the scene with the bully where they shoot him in the shoot ass. Him in the with ass. Gun. It's so yeah. funny. Oh my god. They all fucking drop crow and moon him. It's yeah, so that's, good. See, that's kind of my thing. Is like, this is a slasher movie, obviously. There's kills galore. And we'll get to those because one of those in particular might be one of the greatest sequences in the history of slasher movies. But 
they take a lot of time to just be a camp movie. Yeah, 100%. Like, there's... Between, like, the first kill, that prostitute, and the next kill, I gotta... It felt like it might have been, like, 30 minutes. I'd say it's like... It's gotta be at least 30 minutes. It feels so it's like, like a long time. They take time to just immerse you in with these people and just get you having a good time. So when people start dropping like flies... It's really, really tense, and of course, also they they bring in like a um, not just like a normal slasher or a normal camp slasher, but it's also like a survival slasher. It's also something like, like a giallo. Yeah, something like just before dawn, where it's like they're not only being chased around by a killer, but they're stranded away from the camp because he took their canoes, which is genius. The best thing about this movie is just that they take so many hints from other genres, and then they just utilize every aspect of it. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, because that first kill is straight up Giallo. Oh, yeah. I mean, but he wears gloves the entire time, too, so when he's you know, grabbing people and stuff. Like, it really does feel almost like... Well, when like he's chasing Alfred and he grabs him by the neck, pulls him in. Yeah, drags him in and then pins him to the wall with the, the hedge clippers. That, like, that is really evocative of Giallo movies. Yes. I don't know if that was intentional. I would assume it's intentional. It has, he also wears especially the, he also with the wears way... The, the way he looks at people, too, and it's got, yeah. like, the, the lens is a little deteriorated. It reminds yeah. me, like, a lot of scenes in Deep Red. Yeah, I also like that they use that to differentiate because they, they do use a lot of handheld camera work in this, which can be easily misconstrued as POV camera, but it's only POV when it has the kind of like fucked up filter over the, the lens, so they differentiate those shots very easily. Because I can see someone kind of being confused like towards the end when Alfred... His name's Alfred. I always want to say Alfredo. <laughs> but Al, Alfred is... Uh, you know, running around in those concrete structures and they're standing on top of the concrete wall and they're shooting down at him. That could be easily misconstrued as a POV shot, but yes. it's not a POV shot. So I, I really like that they do differentiate because there are some some movies where they kind of forget about that. So you would expect a handheld sequence to be a POV shot, but it's not a POV shot. So I do like that. The director did a fucking kick-ass job with this movie. I've never awesome. heard of it. I, there is no sequels, I assume. It, they it's set, they funny, set it this up. movie sets up sequels pretty easily it, with it, the ending. It sets it up as a potential franchise. I'm glad it's not a franchise. I mean, I don't really think you I could really know. ruin it. I don't think you could really ruin it if you made it into a franchise. But it is kind of cool to just have like this isolated slasher film. I like it that it's isolated. Because when it ended that way, I was very conflicted. Because when he says like the body was never found, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. The body was never found. Maybe because it's ash, bro. But, well, see, that's kind of that's kind of the whole thing, though. It's like it's a camp legend, so yeah. they're just gonna spin it how they want to make it scary for the camp counselors, and that leaves you open to create new stories with the character of Cropsy. Did they happen? Did they not happen? Did this yeah. one even happen? We don't fucking know. That's still that I find that fascinating. This could have been. I think a, a pretty it's a fantastic franchise. end. It, it makes you as a viewer wonder how would it go about? Because I can think to myself. I'm glad that it's isolated. I'm sick of seeing the same old shit. If they made more of these, it definitely wouldn't have held up well. But at the same no. time, it's like, you could definitely get a lot more out of this, though. Like, there, there's definitely a way you could attack this concept and make it into a cool franchise. The only problem is that I wouldn't want to bring back any of the cast, but having that main character linked to that to the Cropsy legend is great. 
yeah, but at the same time, you got four or five other characters you could have followed that also did that. Yeah. So I think there could have been some cool shit to do, but I like the way the movie plays out. I like it being singular, but is it a bit of a missed opportunity? In some aspects, yes. In some aspects, no. That's kind of yeah. cool about it. I was like, I'm kind of, I'm glad this is its own thing. The same way that I'm glad that we never tech, we never got a sequel to My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. Like we just got the remake, um, because that movie ends really well, and uh, I feel like if you made that a franchise, it would kind of taint that. Oh, the, the, the director of it was talking not not too long ago about making another like a a, a, a years on sequel to My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. And I'm like, please don't, please don't. I um, I think we talked about it in the last episode about hey yeah bring back some of these um, franchises and it's cool like oh how would you bring Friday back? There's something about bringing back staple franchises that kind of have to come back to keep the legacy going just the same way you have to bring back Frankenstein you have to bring back Wolfman you have to bring back the mummy Dracula people bitch and complain about bringing back franchises but the reason why people like if you bring back franchises it leaves the door open you know it 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 seeds the market I guess you could say for smaller independent or, or lower budgeted more interesting films to have a place to go so that they can guarantee that they have a market for themselves. If so we, bringing back Halloween is a good thing. That's a thing. Other horror. If we never brought back Halloween, the idea of having another slasher in 10 years is literally 40% lower. Yeah. If you don't have one going around saying we can still do it, they're never going to do it. I'm not saying it'd be impossible, but it's a lot tougher. And we need to showcase that. We can bring back the genre. There's still some things to do. There's still some fun to be had. Why the fuck don't we do it? I think you have to bring back the staples back, just like you have to bring back, like I said, the original Universal Monsters. I'm not saying Universal has to do it, but if I said, hey, man, you've heard of Dracula before, you could say, fuck yeah, I have. Now, if I said, what do you know Dracula most for? Are are most people going to say, I read the book? Probably not. Am I saying that's a good thing? No, I'm not. You should always check out the original material. You should go read it if you if you want to like get into that world and see what it came from. But yeah. most people are going to say, hey, I may have watched Horror of Dracula. I may have watched Bram Stoker's Dracula. I may have watched, you know, the Universal Monsters Dracula. There's so many different ways you could say, I watched this. Dude, I watched him in fucking Scooby-Doo. I watched him in fucking Alvin and the Chipmunks for Frankenstein or something. There's so many different ways to get introduced to these characters. Oh, man. You reminded me about that fucking movie, Alvin, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Fucking yeah. fire, dude. I watched that movie so much as a kid. Alvin and the Chipmunks meet Frankenstein. Yeah. It's awesome. It is awesome. But there's so many ways to get introduced to these characters. And the only reason people still know about these characters is because they're constantly making it constantly, constantly, constantly. If Dracula's not going to be around for 60 years... The odds of him coming back? Minuscule. I'm sorry. Oh, dude, but he's so popular. Doesn't matter, now, man. It doesn't now matter. You have to keep that popularity running. Yeah. Okay, it's the same way, like, Batman's always popular, too, and he's always got a movie on right now. If he was away from movies for 50 years, he's still popular because there's still material getting printed out. There's still yeah. going to be an animated show. There could still be comics coming out. There's always something with the character's name in Toys. It. Toys, especially. Yeah. Really especially. But, especially with McFarlane. But you need yeah. something coming out with this character constantly putting their name in there saying, hey dude, check that shit out. 
oh yeah, I'm going to indulge in this. Yeah. We are not getting enough of that for a lot of horror characters. The yes. only reason we are sometimes is like, hey, Shudder put this on. I haven't seen this. Oh, this fucking slaps, though? And then yeah, you that... like it, and you're saying, hey, I haven't seen this for 20 fucking years. Now I'm seeing it, now I'm loving it. Or Scream Factory's like, hey, this movie you haven't seen before but was really popular 10 years ago, we made a Blu-ray. Oh, fuck, a banger, though? Damn, yeah. now you like this movie. We need more of that shit, or maybe make a reboot, maybe make a new series or something just to keep people interested. Remember the name, continue the name, continue the essence, and here we go. That's what, like, I remember when I talked about, I mean, we're going to talk about slashers. Like, I remember I remember talking about, you're like, oh, I just watched My Bloody Valentine. And someone's like, oh, the uh, the movie with Jensen Ackles. I'm like, no, <laughs> not that movie. But at least but they like, can say that. Yeah, at least at least it's something that people generally know. It's kind of funny because that movie made a pretty decent chunk of change. Oh yeah, especially because uh, that when I think of three D movies 3D, in that 3D. in that year, I think of that movie. Especially because I think of, when I think of three D movies, I wish I actually saw in three D. That's like that's one of them. That's I remember there. the trailer like it was fucking yesterday when the axe gets thrown. That's the scene, especially in that moment. I want to see that in three D so badly. I never I feel watched like that, the movie. I feel like that was, but I know scene. that trailer. That honestly though. My Bloody Valentine's fun, but watch the original one first. The original one is much better, but I digress. It's kind of funny, like, that is something that technically is kind of in pop culture. Yeah. Because there's a remake. I know the image of the killer. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know that that's not the first one. Because I've talked to a lot of people, I'll be like, yeah, I watched My Bloody Valentine's. Like, yeah, I saw that in theaters. And I'm like, you're my age. Yeah. You didn't see that in theaters. <laughs> but uh what if they're really fucking like uh they just went to some like fucking slummy area and they're like yeah they just play old fucking horror films and you were just making an assumption no no it was, it was I like know, I, I know i know it's not weekend. the case but like but imagine yeah, i would laugh i would I'm like he just laugh. fucking said you said in french like listen dickwad i happen I would... to know this place down in fucking brooklyn and i love this movie first i'd laugh second i'd ask them where is this motherfucking place and let me go there now because I want to see a fucking goddamn slasher movie from the 80s on a, on a big screen. There is a place, actually, um, in our area that if you go to the horror the horror fest, they tell you how, like, oh, once in a while we play, like, um, movies on a big inflated screen at, like, a beach or whatever, and it's, like, a, it's kind of like a drive-in style. Oh. Uh, I haven't gone to it, but it's a lot of, like, horror classics and shit, and it's pretty cool, and I want to check it out. I'm still twiddling my thumbs hoping that they put Halloween in theaters again. Well, we're going to see Evil Dead in theaters. Yep. But while we've been talking about The Burning and, uh, you know, slasher movies and horror in general, I've been admiring your beautiful shirt that I'm very jealous of. Yeah, so this is from Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery. It's a wax museum in Salem, Massachusetts. I go probably three, four times a year at least because we're Connecticut area. Not we're too not that far, far from away. Salem. About two and a half, three hours usually. And I always go. Uh, this time, actually, the guy... Because I, I went literally a, a month ago. Like, exactly yeah. a month ago. The guy's like, aren't you uh, just here not that long ago? I was like, it was been, it's been a month, man. He goes, I'm just going to give you guys the returning rate. Like, you come here all the time. I'm like, you know what? I, I fucking like that. And he's like, well, good thing, too. We have one uh, one new sculpture up. I was like, oh, cool. It's, it's going to be something different. You want to know what the new uh, wax figure up? Is this going to make me mad? Yeah. Oh, no. It's not horror. So, uh, it is technically horror, but it's in the 80s. Michael J. Fox from Teen Wolf? No. Because I wouldn't what? consider that horror. 
what? It's horror, but it's sci-fi. Mostly horror. You would say horror. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, bud. T-800. Really? Yep. Oh, that's 100% horror. That's why I said you would 100% yeah, no, call it horror, I, but something you know, I, would I would definitely, I would definitely, uh, I would not hesitate to say that. It's definitely a horror movie. It's definitely yeah. a slasher movie. But they have, to talk about the museum more. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. They have wax figures all the way from Nosferatu, you know, Werewolf of London, which is more obscure. Yeah. Uh, London After Midnight, all the way up to stuff like they have the, the monster from Stranger Things. They have the nun and everything in between. They have a whole section of fucking Bram Stoker's Dracula because there's so many designs in it. Hey, man, you know what? It, the designs are cool. Designs are sick, bro. I, don't give a fuck. I even gave the guy, a pe- uh, not a piece of my mind, but I was like, you got a lot of stuff from uh, Dracula. He goes, yeah. I'm like, I fucking hate that movie. He goes, what? I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you as it is, man. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been going through Twitter, man, and I keep seeing people being like, you know, I was reminded today that uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula exists. That movie's fucking fire. Yeah, you're reminded like, it exists. Why don't you watch the fucking movie, stupid? I'm just, I'm just like, good for you. I'm so glad you like it. You see that? You see that difference right there? I was quick on the attack, and you're quick to pat the back. Like, well, I, I'm glad you like it. I'm also sorry you're wrong. Uh, you want to know what else? So. You it's know how last time terrible. I had my collection of masks I got? So yes. I, I have. So this is my new collection right now of all of them. I got a lot here. Holy shit. So this is my half mask from last time. This is the part uh, part three NES game one. This is signed by Kane Hodder, you know, the part seven mask. Yeah, you get yep. the crack. This is a new one that we got. <laughs> Nice. It's, it's supposed to be styled after part three, but also like little hints of like Jason Damage. X. Yeah. That's the one that I made because I'm a fucking toddler. Nice clean white. And then here's the one that I got too, which is based on part six because it has some of the lines inside. Nice. So I have I have more for the collection. You gonna you gonna go bring that with you when we go to uh, the horror convention and get CJ Graham to sign that? Bitch? You know what? I didn't think about it, but I am now. <laughs> You better fucking believe I'm gonna find a way to meet Todd McLaughlin too this Halloween and get him to sign it as well. Wait, is is the is the con actually on Halloween? Yes. What the fuck? It's Thursday. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's twenty nine thirty thirty one. Oh, Halloween's on a Sunday. Yep. Fuck me. God damn it. I want to fall on a Saturday one of these times so I can just fucking. I think next next movies. year will be uh, Saturday. Fuck. I'm not sure, but um, whatever. I'm now just gonna spend the entire month Friday, of October. Segue back, out. back to the burning. Fuck yeah! It, there's a lot of similarities between the two films, you know. Savini's makeup. A lot of the kills are very similar to the kills Savini would do in Friday as well. So very early on, no, not that early on, because the the real kills don't start until like 45 minutes in or something, but uh, or 30 minutes in. But one of the first camp counselors, slat, no, it was counselor. Uh, the fir- one of the first people who dies at the camp because th- because her throat slit. It's only been a year. The quality of makeup effects from his first throat slit in Friday Thirteenth Part One to this is night and fucking day. Well, just look at the uh, the stab through the throat as well. Yeah, it all like, looks way better. I think the Kevin Bacon scene is great. Some color grading, if it's made too high quality, will make it look bad. Yeah, the four K the four K scan on the Screen Factory. Uh, released was not kind to 
the makeup of effects in general in that movie. I think it was a lot better on the Scream Factory than the Blu-ray set you own. The, orig- the Blu-ray the set is Blu-ray. really bad. Yeah, the fucking Paramount 8 Blu-ray set is ass, and they're re-releasing it. <laughs> but at the same time, the makeup for Eddie's death when he gets the shoot to the throat, the makeup is much better. I will say, as the scene lingers on, they the show false body. They show different angles. I'm like, okay, his neck's looking pretty long right now. Yeah, it's not about the makeup; it's about just giraffe neck. Yeah, I think I think the false I think the false body. For, it's not something that really takes away from the sequence to me, but when when I you know look back at it, I'm like, yeah, the false body that because he, he's obviously sticking his neck through a false body on the raft um, is a little a little more obvious than it is. In I think it's only Friday. obvious in the last scene. The, yeah. the problem with the only problem I have with the kills in this movie, they indulge sometimes. Like they know how good the kills are, and they show different angles, and it's like that angle wasn't very kind, man, or. They show scenes later on where they have still frames of deaths. Like when yeah. they show the first counselor that dies when he's in the uh, like the fucking abandoned area. She's not hung up. Like that's a still frame from when she died. Yeah, I, I actually rewound it. Because I was like, wait a second. Yeah, and it that just... looks like they literally just didn't they didn't have her that day. So they're like, well, we'll just composite in a shot of her. They, yeah. like, you can see, you can see the tree. Yeah, it looks really bad. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the things. Like, it's like there's little things. There are I'm little like, things. Ah, like, like ah, man, you were you were you were this close. Like, there's like little teeny things. Like the ne- the 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 false body thing. Like, it's so like yeah, it is definitely um, indulgent. The rap scene in general, which yeah, you know, we were gonna get to the rap scene in general. It's one of the greatest slasher sequences in the history of slashers, in my opinion. But there, there is definitely some indulgence there. I will still say though that the editing is really strong, and they jump around fast enough that, at least for me, as I'm watching the sequence, I'm not registering any of it. No, the only reason I registered it is because they show the scene in Later the special on. effects. Um, oh, oh, oh! Special feature. Yeah. And they show exactly how it is in the movie. And when I'm looking at that effect specifically, I'm like, okay, the neck's a little long, but you're right. Because everything's just happening so fast when you're watching the movie, you're not paying attention to it. Funny thing, the editor of this movie, I hope I'm, I hope I'm not outing myself as a dumbass right now. I'm 99% sure that the person who edited this movie is the director of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. You want me to look that up? I, I'm very positive. You're very positive? I have... Jack Shoulder? You're right. Yes. Yeah. So that was that's pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool. He's a good editor, man. Yeah, I think the movie's well edited. You know, I sometimes think sometimes that... he does put too much random shit in. And at the end, when people are they show dead bodies when he's fighting. Yeah. And I think that's a bit much. But yeah, I think, I think that's that... meant to be like that. It's it's in the script, I'm sure. Yeah. When I was but when I was sitting there watching the rap scene because I've seen this movie before. I don't know how you felt watching the rap scene. But when I was watching the rap scene for the second time, it still is absolutely just like heart pounding for me. Yeah. Because it starts like that. It just it just starts and it doesn't stop. And usually rapid editing irritates me, but holy shit does it work here because he goes person to person. Every single strike is perfectly framed almost. Especially like the final the final hit, man makes my heart pound and then it fades to red instead of white like friday does 
we'll go over two things. We'll, we'll talk about the build-up to the scene, and then we'll talk about you, what we think is, personally, the best death in the scene. The build-up starts with them seeing one of the canoes. Yep. Immediately, there's only two responses you can have when you see the canoe. What is your first response when you saw the canoe? Assumably. Well, assumably. So, so, I have to preface this with no, saying that I knew the raft scene was coming. I had never seen the raft scene, but I knew they were all on the raft, and I'm like, okay, so they're gonna die. So I, I, I didn't know this was all coming. So when, when I saw the canoe, red flags went off instantly. Okay, so, so you knew personally how that was gonna happen. Yes, I can't speak because you didn't you didn't know that going into it. No. Like and I knew the rap scene was coming. Everybody I watched and, and talked to about horror movies who's seen the burning. They talk about almost nothing but the rap scene. So, so I know I know it exists already. So I know it's coming. The build up to the scene, it's it's long. Like it's a it's a slow build that works really well because yeah. you see them following the canoe, and as they get closer, the canoe gets farther away. It's really well done. And at the beginning, there's two things you could think of. One, he's in that fucking canoe, or their their friend's dead bodies in the canoe. Yep. When you see the canoe, personally, you like these characters as they're, you're following along with them. They're all fun. They're all likable. Oh, except for one of them. Yeah, 100%. That that was the worst part, that he was on the canoe. Because I'm like, oh, fuck. If you were on the canoe, I would hope things go differently. But I know it can't because we're supposed to fucking hate you. But you see the canoe, and I'm like, okay, it could be the girl, and they could freak the fuck out. And then they get off, maybe, and they fucking run around, and then people die one by one or whatever. Some characters could escape. I don't know. As it gets slower and slower, they're like, all right, cool. Reach out to the canoe. Reach out. I'm like, if you reach out, you're fucked. The way it's filmed, there's no way you're not all going to die. So, you know, as it's going and they're reaching out slowly, you're thinking to yourself, I don't want him to die. I don't want her to die. I really like him. Fuck Eddie. And that's how the scene's going along. And then you have this just like, buildup of intense like anxiety like this is fucked I wish I could stop this and then within 10 to 20 seconds they're all dead yeah it's ridiculously quick so fast and that's how the scene but is it's perfectly hot, done. it's so efficient very efficient what do you think is personally the best kill in it's the, the fi- rap it's the final one final it's one, final one. It, because it, it's it's the makeup for it is fantastic. I think it's the best makeup in the entire film. The sound effect is chilling. Yes. And the way that that is the thing that it, it's it's not even maybe it's not even just the kill itself. It's the final image of her arm hanging over with the blood trailing down it. I I it would honestly really say gets me. I think that's a final like a great final shot. But just the kill itself, I think, is fantastic. Oh, it's wonderful. Like, I mean, that sounds really bad to say, but it, it's like, as far as like a reduced yes. sequence, ending it on that, that is a way to end a kill sequence like that. It is so impactful. I don't know if I'd call him my favorite character, but he's one of my favorite characters is Woodstock. He's Woodstock. a easily kid who's really nice and shoots the dude in the ass with the pellet gun. Really funny. He's really fucking funny. So knowing he's gonna die fucking sucks. Yeah. His hands get chopped, it's a great shot. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, that fucking sucks. And then immediately after he dies, the girl dies, gets cut in the fucking head. I'm like, hold on. That was fantastic. Yes. 
you see her just get sliced, you see it open on the head, and she just hits the hits the back, and I'm like, okay, that might be one of the best kills I've ever fucking seen in a movie. That looks fucking it's awesome. It's because, like, I, I think about, because what he uses the entire time is the hedge clippers. Yes. Pretty much, except for the beginning. And even then, he uses a pair of scissors, which is essentially still a hedge clipper of some kind. But, like, he kills people in multiple different ways with that like just the idea of opening the the hedge clippers and swinging them is brilliant like that's a brilliant kill like as far as like like whoever you know writing this movie thinking that up as a kill that's brilliant because it's so easy to take a take hedge clippers and just say okay well we're just gonna stab or we're just gonna cut like it's, it's very easy to do that and even towards the end when he pins alfred's um arm with it so he can't escape it's really smart but yeah ending it on that with the blood trailing down the arm especially and then the hard not hard but like the the fade into red i i I texted you like i i I shit you not my heart was actually pounding in my chest and i've seen the sequence before this is not my first time seeing this but it's just so well crafted the build-up is perfect and then the execution the editing showing all the makeup effects all every single shot is all framed pretty much perfectly to the point that even the least convincing effects are are so so they go by so quickly that you can't even register it. It's it's ridiculous how just perfect a kill sequence it is almost. Do you think the wrath scene makes the movie peak too soon as far as kills are considered? I wouldn't say it's too soon because that's I mean I get I guess so technically just because it's it's not like that's the finale or anything. Well, as many, but let's go over how many people it, that, die. That is, movie. that is heading towards, I would say, like towards the end of the second act. So it's like it's going into the finale. There's only about seven or eight people that die in the film, and half of yeah. them die in that scene. Yeah, there's it's multiple bodies dropping really fast. So before that scene, two people die: the prostitute yeah. dies, and then the the counselor girl dies. Karen. Yes. Yeah. Then those four drop. That's six. After that, we only see Sarah, I believe, is her name, and then the bully. Yeah. And after that, that's it. That's well, we don't even we don't even see her die. No, we don't even know how she dies. So yeah, we, we don't we see assume anything. How she dies, obviously, because we see that's fine. fighting. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But I actually really like that sequence because he, they they choose not to reveal that. They don't yes. have to. Don't I have thought to. it was gonna be some shit like, as he put down the sleeping bag it'd be like the mouth's all cut up or some shit like but they didn't I, I was expecting that or I was expecting something back. really fucked up and disturbing that didn't really need to be in there and uh, especially because it's like doing that after the raft sequence it's like it'll give us a little breathing <laughs> but then I, I think the kill of the bully is really strong just because it's something that's very earned again I think it's very interesting that the two biggest assholes in the movie both die by getting stabbed in the throat because they both got because they both got big fucking mouths. I wish they're good deaths, but yeah, they're not as I don't know. Like some of the other deaths, like the girl gets sliced in the head, Woodstock gets his fingers cut off. It's like those are elongated, yeah. painful deaths that are not justified for those characters. And yeah. those two die getting stabbed in the neck. And I'm not saying like they die instantly, but I almost wish it was a little worse because you really fucking hate those two. I would say for the bully, it is quite elongated. Yeah, because he picks him up. Yeah, he, he doesn't die quickly. 
he, he dies an excruciating death. But yeah, I would say that definitely um, Eddie's death is not as long as I would expect for a character that they made pretty unlikable. I think it just comes from, in hindsight, how like as time goes on, we see more of these slasher films. Some of these shitty people get really bad shit happen to them. Oh yeah. So it's like, oh, I kind of expect more. It's like, well, the film's an eighty-one. Like, yeah. You can't really expect it to be some but also, extravagant murder. But also at the same time, it's like I can't complain too much considering just the quality of you know, like even even if the burning peaks with that rap sequence, which I think most people would probably say it does, because mm-hmm. it, again, most people that I know who've taught who've seen the burning would consider that to be one of, if not the greatest kill sequence in a horror film, in a slasher film ever even even that being the peak or whatever you know it still leads to some pretty great sequences i think the films i think the kills peak in that scene but the film doesn't peak yeah i think the finale the is finale really is perfectly shot is, is really strong not just because of tension but also because you know if if, if like me you didn't catch the fact that Todd was one of the people in the opening scene. That reveal is going to be pretty powerful, and especially because of the way it affects him when he sees Cropsey. I think that reveal actually takes a little bit away from me personally. Yeah, I mean, o- I, I only because I mean the reveal of who it was was different. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, I didn't know it was that guy, but yeah, I think the fact it's kind of like one of those bait and switch things. It's kind of like a with Mission Impossible Fallout where like. It's not really uh, news to anybody that Walker's a bad guy, but it's the the, yeah. the real twist is that they knew it. You know, they knew it already. Yeah. Whereas here, it's like the twist isn't that Todd is involved in Cropsey's demise. Same the twist is that he was gung ho about it and wanted to do it because they definitely try to fake you out and make you think that it's the kid with the, the kid with the glasses. Yeah, so. and I, and I like that. That's the best aspect about it. It's just that's I why it like... doesn't. That's why it doesn't take away too much for me, just because the reveal is kind of not the real. The reveal, reveal isn't what takes away. It's the scene and how it builds up about how we're like, oh, this, this, and they talk about it. Just as like yeah. as he's walking towards it, they're showing all these dead bodies of the calendars, and it's like, I think that's really indulging in itself in a bit. It's heavy. It's heavy handed. It, it takes a little bit away from me. It doesn't ruin the scene or anything. I just feel like. I would have toned it back and not shown the bodies. And I think the way the scene plays out when they talk about it is pretty good. It's just with yeah. all of it together, I'm like, that's a little bit too much. I would have taken it a bit back, but that's a small, small, small grain. Yeah, I think one of the things that really, why it works for me so much is that, and maybe I'm looking into this a little too much, but he walks in there, he's seeing Cropsy with the flamethrower. Oh, we got a flamethrower, we don't know, whatever. Um, but seeing Cropsy, recognizing that it's Cropsy for real and then seeing the fire is not only reminding him about what he partook in but also seeing the counselors is reminding him that this is essentially his fault and I find that the, all these, these visions to be a manifestation of guilt in a way and especially because of his facial expression Yes, you can see this, this bitter remorse on his face when he, when he um, calls out to Alfred it's a lot more hesitant He's yeah. seeing things go on. Yeah, so I, I like that a I, lot. It is a hundred percent very heavy-handed. Yes, I also want to note another thing that takes away from the film is the editing. That some scenes are out of order. There's some times where it's filmed very much because you see Cropsy in the corner 
pushing the thing down. If you look, you'll see him there pushing down like the little uh, minecart. Yeah. And as that scene takes place, he pushes the minecart, gets out of out of the way, hits his head or whatever. Cool. Then it follows again with him looking around, and it shows again him at the top with the minecart, and then it shows him looking around still, and there was no minecart next to that same area. Oh yeah. That like, that kind of, kind of bugged me a bit. I'm like, okay, you you yeah. guys fucked up. You shouldn't have had this scene in here. Yeah. But that's just that's a little bit of a goof in the movie. Yeah. But it was so, very um, obvious to me, I guess. Yeah, it's a very obvious continuity error. Yeah. Uh, well, I would I wouldn't say obvious. I really wasn't paying attention and didn't notice it. But sometimes, I, honestly, when I'm just like in a movie, I'm not fucking paying attention. <laughs> and I and again, like this isn't a movie that I've seen like a billion times. You know, it's not like uh, I don't know. We haven't talked about it yet, but again, we bring up, I bring it up every podcast about Halloween. Like we do Halloween, I can watch it in the background. I don't need to watch the movie to do the podcast. I've watched the I, movie I fifty billion fucking times. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't have to watch every second of it because I, I've seen every second of it for most of my life. So, but with the burning, I've only seen, this is only the second time I've actually sat down and watched the burning. So I'm just remembering, you know, I'm still taken taken with this movie because I forget, I honestly forgot, I didn't know if George Costanza died or not. Like I, I honestly didn't remember yeah. a lot of stuff in this movie. I, I thought he was going to and he didn't. I was, I got, I got to the end of the movie and I'm like, yes, yes. George Costanza survived, bro. You could kill. They could have killed literally everybody. As long as George Costanza lives, a okay with me. I would. That's a that's a lie. That's a lie. I really like Todd. I really like Todd. Todd I like his no nonsense attitude. Protagonist, and I think the best thing about him is that if he did die, it is somewhat justified, so you can't feel bad. You're like, it kind of makes sense. But having Alfred save him at the end is the perfect way of letting him live. It also kind of brings Alfred, because Alfred's a very meek character. Yes. And he's very, I, I guess, antisocial. I, I, I don't know, because especially like when they're getting ready to shoot, what's his name in the ass? You know, he's got people around him. Like, it seems like he's making friends, finally. Yeah, it's funny, because like, I have no friends, and the next scene, all these people are being really nice to him. I was like, are you sure you don't have friends, or are you just fucking dumb? Yeah, I they just had to assume. like you pretty, pretty well. I honestly just had to assume that it was like the enemy of my enemy or not enemy of my enemy, of my enemy but we that. don't like him so we're gonna team up with you we just don't I like don't him i don't think it's that it's just more but like then they're he, really nice he really I, fucking hates i think it's glazier is the, the Glazer, guy's name Glazer, Glazer. i think he really fucking hates him and he's so worried about him he doesn't want to try and make friends but yeah. as the film like that scene happens before like oh i don't have any friends that happens before they all are being really nice to him and defending him every single time so yeah. it's like they they feel bad for him, like, fuck it, we'll be cool with him. And I'll then say, I feel, they kind I feel of like, organically become friends later on in the film. Yeah, because I feel like once Glazer gets kind of more aggressive. out in the open and aggressive with his attacks on Alf, everyone's like, hey, fuck you, man. Yeah. Stop being a dick. So then he starts to become friends with people. Especially after, like, you know, when, when Glazer throws him in the water because he can't swim you know then they're like oh we're definitely fucking with this guy that's yeah. fucked up he, he could have killed you so it's like you just, all you the just... girls don't like him either except for that one girl yeah well it's like they're all talking about him we're like oh you know, could you imagine all that muscle on top of you or whatever like they're all they're all like fawning over him but well then i they wouldn't say fawning they're saying it very like disrespectfully 
Well, some of it sounds gener- generally like, you know, like, oh man, a muscular man on top of me. It sounds great. But also some people are making fun of this. Like one of them saying, like, literally says, I'd rather, I'd rather be with Alfred. I always, want, I always want to say Alfredo and I don't know why I want to say Alfredo, but Alf- it's like, I'd rather be with Alfred. And it's like, yeah, she's, they're definitely dunking on him yeah. at times, but they're also, I think they're also just like, he's an asshole, but... You know I don't think most of At them times, are thinking that. Not, not think, all of them. I think most of them fucking don't like him. I mean, I don't blame them, but yeah. I still don't understand why, why what's-her-name fucking likes him. Like, it's a personal taste, I guess. See, that's another thing about this movie, though. We haven't talked about it yet. Nudity and sex and stuff? No. Well, we're, we'll I'm sure we'll get to that, but... Well, I, I don't know if we will, because, sorry, we've been going for a long time. We'll be here for 90 years. Yeah. But... There's a little bit of this where I got kind of part four syndrome for because the, for for some of the sexual related stuff, like the male gaze stuff, not necessarily the, the male gaze stuff, but you know, like obviously Eddie's very predatorial, predatorial, and this movie's written and produced by both Weinstein's. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm we kind of have to wanna, talk about that. Too. I don't want to dive into it and being being like, oh, this is like so, he's he, they're self inserting themselves into this yeah. movie or something. I don't want to get down and try to analyze it like that. It just feels really weird. And like, I don't want to ding the movie for it. But it's at the same tough. time, it's like you have to kind of discuss that because not not one, not just Eddie, but Glazer's also rather predatorial. Well, they're both they're both forceful. Like they're not. Yeah, because there's multiple times I'm blanking on her name, but multiple times she's she's saying no. Yeah. She's saying I don't want to or not now. Yeah. And he's still fucking with her. It's at a point where when they actually have sex, it sounds like she's saying don't have sex with me. I think it's more hinted at she's disappointed, and they definitely go into that later on. Definitely the disappointment part, but it sounds like as the cameras going up the sleeping bag it sounded like to me and maybe i maybe i just misunderstood what was going on but it sounded like she was saying glazer no like i don't want to do this right now i don't remember her saying no and i'm not gonna offend the shitty fucking bully that i hate in the movie i'm not saying that he's not a fucking sexual predator he clearly is because he hits yeah. times being like yeah you know i like you're gonna like it's gonna be real good which first of all never fucking sleep with anybody that says it could be real yeah, good anytime a guy says that. anytime a guy has the confidence to tell you it's gonna be good. I guarantee you, it's probably gonna be the worst sex of your life. It's probably gonna be the worst sex of your life. But I don't think the scene is meant to be read that way. I don't remember her saying no. I remember her saying oh, but she just not sounded like, no. It just sounded to me like she was not in the mood. Well, she wasn't in the mood. I, I no. can tell that much. But it, it's, it's. I don't think it's meant to be like he's like raping her as much as she's just not comfortable and like it's very much like this sucks this is not cool at all this is not fun it's your thoughts would be like oh it's gonna be kind of fun kind of sexy romantic and it's like this guy is a fucking loser and he just is just humping me and then he comes in two seconds and now i hate my fucking life sex is yeah, terrible he, with this dude he talks such a big game and he's a three pump chump and you know when he's talking to her about having sex it's so weird that like this fucking douchebag is a lot nicer than Eddie about it. Like he's bad, but like Eddie's Eddie's fucking terrible. Well, it like, seems I like, fucking hate Eddie more than any character in Friday. I mean, they, any of them. They do make a point to say, you know, the girl that Eddie's with is like, well, no, not even just that, but she's like, you know, I always hear you talking about all the girls you sleep with. Yeah. You know all that stuff, and he says, you know, if we like each other, we like each other. So he's basically saying he's basically not denying that she's kind of just another check off for him. Yeah. So, but the difference is, is that 
to some degree, I, it, it seems like Glazer actually likes Sarah. Yeah. Like, actually does like her, but he's just a fucking douchebag. He's also very much, like, the way he plays off is like, yeah, I like it, and, like, I want to have sex with you, and if you don't, like, I'll wait. Like, I, I, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna try to, but, like... I'll wait, but I won't like it. Yeah. Like, in... Which is also first not of all, good. That's not good. He's not, not okay. likable. And like I said, I'm not defending the fucking terrible bully. No. But this guy is like a 6 out of 10 for the shit scale when it comes to women. Oh, yeah. 7 out of 10. Let's be real. He's a fucking piece of shit. But like, yeah. Eddie's a 12 out of 10. Eddie's the, the type of guy where it's like, hey, if you talk to him, you're fucked. This guy is going to ruin your fucking life. You'll actually yeah. die. You'll get head, head trippers in the fucking neck. So, you know, stay away from him. Yeah. And I've never seen in a, a film where, like, two like kids are getting ready to have sex. The girl pushes him away, and he fucking flips out. You know he was going to actually try to fucking hit her and throws a fucking fit about it. I've never seen that in a slasher film, especially, like, a camp slasher. So when I saw this happening, I was like, no way, dude. Fuck that guy. And especially like, after shit. Especially after that when he's um you know sleeping in the sleeping bag and the two lead counselors come up to him. He's such a dick I'm, about it. He's for some like, reason I'm blanking on, on the other one's name. Todd and Michelle. Michelle. When she comes up to him and he's like, you know, you probably scared the shit out of her. She probably ran away. And like I can see people being like, Oh, you're just being uptight, but she's fucking right, dude. Like, she has every right to fucking say that. Like, it, it completely makes sense. Like, earlier on in the movie, they kind of set her up as this kind of high-strung person. Yes, and but I feel she's like also movie... very defensive about her girls. Yes, but I, I, would, I would argue maybe that the script kind of portrays her as being an asshole because of oh, that. Oh, like negatively? Yes. I think it's a little bit. To. A little bit. There's and a... I don't really like that, especially because both times that she gets angry at people, Super it's justified. very justified. Yeah, there's... Very justified. The biggest problem with the burning is the subtext is a lot of male dominance. Yeah. We're supposed to side with Todd over her every single time, but realistically, Todd's kind of in the wrong. Do we know that Alfred didn't mean it? And he... Well, first of all, as the, as the film goes on, I think it's more hinted at Alfred was just, like, idling Sarah and, like, really liked her, and he was being a bit of a fucking creep about it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very clear that he... I, I don't think he's lying, necessarily, that he wanted to fuck with Sarah to fuck with Glazer to yeah. a degree, but also at the same time, like, they very make it, they clear, make it very clear that he's interested in her and yeah. doesn't like Glazer because she thinks Glazer's an asshole and she deserves better. Yes. But, but the problem is also... that he's an antisocial person and he doesn't understand, I guess, boundaries and understand that he's being a fucking creep. Yeah, and he doesn't really get any justified action for that besides people making fun of him, which isn't a justified action because they're not making fun of him for that. They're just making fun of him because they're fucking douchebags. Yeah. And the way the film plays out, it's like, you know, we got to like Alfred. He's a nice guy. And it's like... I really wish he wasn't the guy in that first scene because it's really hard to like someone when they do that shit. Alfred is likable, but that first scene really hurts and no one's addressing that besides Todd and Michelle. And you're right, Michelle is portrayed negatively. She's high-strung, and in both these instances, we can agree, she's fucking right. Yeah, like, she's completely Eddie right. Eddie should be, get the, sh- the shit kicked out of him. He's a fucking douchebag. Like, 100%. It's not out of the realm to believe he would have raped her. Yes. Let's fucking kill him. 
the thing the thing that I'll say about Alfred though I I don't even know how to say this because it's, it's gonna sound like I'm defending him for what he's doing and I'm not trying to defend him but that's not something that was abnormal for teenage boys and well, that, that doesn't make it sure. yes it doesn't make it okay at all no, don't no, get no, me no. wrong it does not make it okay also it's, for it's the way 100% he, not okay the way he's portrayed there's a, more of a justified reason to it versus a scummy background reason yeah he's not doing it necessarily to be a peeping tom yes that being said he definitely deserved a punishment for that. That's a real thing. punishment and for that. And the reason he's not punished is because you could tell the filmmakers were like, yeah, it's no big deal. Well, yeah, because it, it's like this movie's idea of that is boys will be boys. Yes. And that's not okay. You know, I'm not, again, not trying to, to defend Alfred at all because that's a bad, bad thing yes. to do. You don't do that shit. It's disgusting. Yes. At the same time, when you look at someone with the background that they set him up to, to be, in a lot of movies that a lot of people enjoyed in the 80s they did worse oh 100% um, and they were assholes about it and and people still said oh that character's cool yeah. again also does not justify it but you know it's of it's time period is what you're yes. getting at and I, I it, agree it's too. of it's time period and also again I don't really know how to phrase it without it sounding like I'm defending him because it's like I feel bad for him in, a re- in, in certain regards yes for the way that he's treated and the way that he's looked at by people but also at the same time you can you can say that and be like well i like the guy he just needs to learn from his for from this kind of shit it also helps that we don't actually see what happens in the scene yes so you know it's you could leave up your own decision in your head about how it really goes down and i, mean, I, I, I would agree to, i just have to assume that he was standing outside of the shower i just i just have to say like it feels like the filmmakers do not take it seriously and it has to be addressed and you're right about that we were talking about it in the first place it's just these other characters that do shit like that are much worse like the way yeah. Eddie's eyeing Karen in the beginning it's like this is kind of fucking uncomfortable and I yeah. really don't like it and it's more uncomfortable when he fucking is a real douchebag and that character is just tough to get through he, yeah. he is really and like he's he's supposed to be bad, but he's too much sometimes. Like I get fucking sick of him. Yeah, and they make you wait for him to die too. They yeah, make you wait. and it sucks because like he dies with three other characters that either you Don't like or you're die. indifferent to. Like I yeah. really fucking like Woodstock. I like the other boy in the back who's also part of the gang having fun fucking with Glazier. So yeah. knowing I'm gonna see these two guys die that I really fucking like next to this piece of shit just takes away from it like i don't want them to die but if they die i want it to be fast and i want that motherfucker to suffer and then it's like it doesn't really happen that way it's a great scene and i wouldn't change the scene but it it does kind of suck that that piece of shit just like it gets stabbed in the throat a little bit and fuck them yeah it, it is kind of awkward to watch this movie and have someone like alfred be one of the protagonists and they do try to make you feel bad for him yeah and I mean, some of it is justified feeling bad for him. I mean, like, there's there's no excuse for bullying. You know, you're a piece of shit if you bully people. Just don't fucking do that. But you know, the pro- the problem is is that the movie doesn't uh, tackle the issue. And I also still have to I have to pose the question like, what was he hoping to if he's if what he's saying is correct if he's not lying and say and he's he wasn't just there to look at a naked woman and he was there to scare her to get back at Glazer, what does that actually do? really 
I don't know. Scaring her? Like, what What the fuck does that do to, to get back at Glacier? It makes no well, sense. Well, you could also say he he's trying to scare her just because he likes her, and a lot of guys pick on girls they like because they're fucking stupid. Yeah. I'm just saying that. It, and he's the type of guy that, like, maybe he's like, I'm going to fuck with her, and then as he gets closer, he kind of just fucking freezes. Like, there's a lot yeah. of ways you can see how the scene transpires. It doesn't matter. It's not right. It's wrong. He does other things that happens to him as the film goes on that we feel bad for. It's just that's a tough start to get through when he's supposed to be one of your protagonists. Because, the, because that's the first meeting for Alfred, it sets a bad precedent for that character. It does. 100%. They do kind of rehabilitate that image as it goes on, but they never attack the initial problem, which is a, a thing that kind of irritates me because that is a kind of gross thing for someone to do well it, it's not worse. kind of not it, kind of it is gross it, it's worse when he he's like watching them when fucking glacier's like trying to get her to have sex before and she's like not right here and he's veering at them again i'm like dude you gotta stop with this shit like the first yeah, the time warrior. was bad but like it's kind of hard to like him right now yeah the voyeuristic aspect like i guess it comes back he only finds glacier because he's like oh i bet i know what he's gonna do and the whole like, the whole point the whole point like i get probably what they're trying to do is he's watching out for her sure but at the same time like it doesn't feel like that it feels more like stalking it does feel like stalking i mean it doesn't just it is it is basically stalking yeah. so it doesn't the problem is, is like i get the intent but also it's not portrayed that way visually that's the problem with it's tough because like I, I I even said earlier, like, him saving Todd is the perfect way to let Todd feel like he deserves to live. But at the same time, like, if you're really looking at Alfred's character, it's like, he is just doing some terrible shit and he's getting away with it, no problem. Yeah. I'm not saying he should die, but, like, it's not going to be addressed. The filmmakers yeah. are not telling you it's a bad thing, and that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, I agree. So it's it's weird. It, like if you want to consider it a real problem, I think you, you really can and, and make a big case for it. Yeah. And it takes away a little bit. But I also think that might only be the real big problem in the movie. Yeah, like that's one of the only things in the movie where I'm like, you know, a lot of our issues that we've discussed are little minor quibbles. Yes. That is something that is like a, a legitimate. Like they tried to give this as our as one of our protagonists. Yeah. And they make him do something that's pretty nasty at the beginning of the movie. And have other because, scenes that follow through with that. Again, it's not even just that he does this thing. It's our literal introduction to the character. Yeah. And they never bring it up again, pretty much. So, it's... It feels like we kind of set up maybe an arc of some kind that kind of doesn't get followed through on. And yeah, I, I don't even think they set up an arc. I think they set up a character trait that they follow through with, but the voyeurism. And that's, that's worse. Yeah, so it's like you're supposed to feel bad for this character and follow him and feel triumphant when he takes down Cropsey. And follow him, follow her. <laughs> yeah. So it does it doesn't that's that's the biggest problem that would be easily, I would I, say. Out I of think, anything. I think we've gone on for quite a bit. There's one it, more thing that I wanted to say though. Okay, I wanted to ask I, I wanted to ask you how you felt about uh, Cropsey's design. A lot, like a lot of people don't a lot of people are <laughs> Yeah. A lot a lot I know a lot of people who are like Oh man, the movie's fantastic. When they reveal Cropsey, though, it takes a bit of a dip for me. I think the makeup doesn't look as fantastic as I wanted it to. And the biggest problem is fucking dumbass, like, Scream Factory is they show you the designs on these covers when you buy them. I haven't watched yeah. the movie before, so I bought the, the movie. I'm like, well, I know what he's gonna fucking look like now. 
and that cover is really fucking cool. And when he looks like that, he looks like he's got fucking cheese pizza on his face and looks a little bit worse. So that was a little bit tough. I instantly flipped around the artwork. I like I like the poster work, poster art I better. I haven't looked at the other side. The poster art, I love the poster art. Yeah, that one's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. That's kind of kind of weird. They that, always that do it. They, they did, did it for that. the Howling too. Like their yeah. covers ruined the movies if you haven't seen them. Sometimes, yeah. Like a lot of the time. They yeah. for American Werewolf, the Arrow does. It shows the entire transformation. So if you haven't seen it, that it's yeah. awesome. It's an awesome cover. I love that cover. But if I hadn't seen the movie, it ruins a lot of the fucking. I would, however, argue, though, that most people, if they're going to watch American Werewolf in London, they've seen clips of that transformation. But look at the original poster. You get nothing out oh, of true. it except for yeah, it's, I, it's I, a werewolf movie. And that's, yeah, I don't, I, I don't disagree. That's what these... Po- that, I don't know. Like, You should not have this cover be the cover that it sells it. It should be... Yeah, it should have been the other one. Yeah. Like, you could say, hey, it comes with it, but if I saw this is the cover right here... I technically don't know what he what looks, like. looks like. I don't know what's going on. I just know this motherfucker's cutting grass. Also, like, kind of funny that you're holding that up. It kind of reminds me of the thing because it's like where his head's the, supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, the yeah. light flies out. Pretty cool. Thing's another perfect yeah. example. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I also wouldn't. I don't want to, you know, drag this on too much longer than we have already because we've been talking about this for a long time. We did talk about before the show that we wanted to mention Madman. So okay, mention the, it. Madman, Madman, uh, yeah, Madman sucks. But anyways, uh, the kind of cool thing about Madman and Burn in the Burning is they're both supposed to be Cropsey stories. Madman Mars was supposed to be Cropsey originally, and these movies were being made at the same time. But the Burning acquired Cropsey as a as a um, IP, IP, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they couldn't, so they had to make their own character with Mad- Madman. Mars. Technically, is the only good thing about the movie. <laughs> no, the, the theme song is the only good thing. But the theme song is obviously because, because of, of that. Mad yeah, obviously like, because of Mad The Mars, backstory but. with the theme song is all built on the fact that they couldn't do that. Is yeah. the movie terrible? Yes, the movie yes. fucking sucks. But that theme song, pretty fucking cool. I saw Madman first. I did too. too, obviously. If I saw The Burning first, it would have looked even worse. Well, oh, I yeah. watched Madman because I read the comic by Michael Alred, and the font is very similar. And I was also, like, but also the uh, the cover's pretty cool. Too. The cover, yeah, the, the like the poster is sick. And I'm like, yeah. okay, did he just take the font from this movie? Like, is there any similarities to it that it gets hinted at? First of all, no, there's no similarities at all. Yeah, great comic by the way. <laughs> but second of all, I was like, well, it's also horror. You know, I, I see it a lot in like the fucking schlocky. Like, uh, I think Vinegar Syndrome has a, a copy of it. It's either ever blue underground. I yeah, so I was like, cool. I want to check it out. I saw it. I fucking hated it. That's the end of the story. Wait, did you buy the movie? Fuck no. It's on Shutter for a while. Oh, I, I blanked for a second because I thought you said, you said, like, oh, they got a vinegar no, but Blu-ray. I, I'm like, I've seen it multiple Blu-ray? times at like, the cons we go for the horror conventions. Yeah, I was just I'm like, you spent money on that movie? <laughs> I would not be against owning it because it'd be it like was another... Cheap. It'd be a it'd be a part of a collection. I think that's one of those cheap, shitty yeah. movies you own and be like, yeah, but it's important and like, it makes sense it, to be in a collection. And maybe the special features are cool. But I I just wanted to bring up Madman because they are about they were supposed to be both crossing movies and they came out the same year and they kind of raced to do a crossing movie and they couldn't do it for Madman. So yeah. I found that very interesting that that for some reason we got two of those. 
It's kind of like how we got Olympus has fallen and uh, White House, White House down. down. Two yeah. two Die Hard and a White House movies in the same year. There's, there's one thing I'm gonna say. I don't want to go into it because I know we'll talk about it for a long time. Is I think the music's fantastic. Yes, it is. Music 100%. is fantastic. I was thinking the same thing. I I, I have to talk about it. I heard it. I'm like, this is really good. There's some scenes where I'm like, this sounds kind of like Power Rangers with the way it like uplifts, and I'm like, it's kind of neat, but bro, the, the synth, bro, the banjo, the synth is really fucking fantastic, and we don't need to go into it. Besides saying, no. the soundtrack is fucking, that soundtrack, the, the score the only, is fucking great. The only thing I'll say is that the banjo music fits here better than it does in Part Two of Friday, in my opinion. When they're canoeing, I like it better. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say because I made a point to mention that in the Friday movie. Yeah. Review, so. Yeah. All right. Well, we we talked about this for yeah, we, fucking we long enough, thoughts. boys. It's been, a, it's been a long time. You go first. Write this movie, if it weren't for Alfred, I would probably say this is pretty much as close to a perfect slasher movie as I've ever seen. It is definitely, I would say, top ten slasher movies of all time easily. I would, I would be close to saying top five. I think this movie's fantastic. You know, Alfred, they don't stick the landing on that, uh, but the kills are fucking awesome. The rap scene is an all timer. The characters are a blast. And all the actors are doing a great job. We're having a great time watching them. The camp setting's great. I love camp slashers. I feel like we don't get enough of them. You know, it's funny. We had a whole Friday the 13th franchise, but it feels like not very many of them feel like camp movies. Most, honestly, half of them aren't it. Like, exactly. So it's like, films. it's like most of the camp slashers I've seen are like this madman in the fucking sleepaway camp movies. It's like, there should be more of these in, in Fear Street too. But like, there should be more camp slashers. This shit's fire. I love this movie. Give, give 9.5. Okay, 9.5, bro. That's fair. Um, after watching this movie and talking about it more and more, I'm more set in my sense of saying I still haven't gotten my perfect slasher film. My perfect camp slasher, for sure, because Alfred takes away from it, talking more about the character. Going into it, I wasn't thinking about it as much, but as we talk about it more, I knew there was a reason that him being in the end didn't sit right with me. And yeah. I always felt like if he died, I wouldn't feel too bad. And I'm like, why is that? I think he's a good kid. Oh. I thought he was going to die, honestly. Uh, he does this bad shit. Fear Street, you know, I talked about how a lot of the implements in that are like the perfect camp slasher. I do think the killers, the killings take away from that. They're not that great. They're an yeah, afterthought they're most of the film. Yeah, they're all just axe cutting. And now it sits in my mind more. I wish I had the perfect camp slasher. And there's so many implements. And the burning has so many good implements to put in towards camp slashers the characters are phenomenal they're so much fun i wish eddie fucking died worse though <laughs> i would say that this is about as close as i've seen to a perfect camp slasher i love biasly a lot of the stuff in part two the jason in part two is interesting but he's not nearly as interesting as other films yeah. i think cropsy might be a little bit more interesting than jason in part two characters are better in this movie some of them i wish had forced deaths some of them i wish i had more screen time with some of my wish didn't die at all yes of course but i knew they had to it's a fucking it's a slasher yeah. film i would have liked to have more screen time with the boys having more fun because there's so much fucking fun in the movie but yeah. it is what it is there's a lot of great elements in this film. the soundtrack is great the, the fucking killings are great the cast is great. The, the cinematography is fantastic. Yeah, it looks great. Everything about this is just so much fucking energy. And you really get attached to this film as it goes along. And I think it's a great film. I think 9.5 is a pretty fair score to give it. I will only give it a 9 because some of the editing in the final act takes away from it for me. There's a, there's a few continuity errors that 
slightly bug me. Alfred really does take away the more I think about it. There should have been more just desserts for these fucking manipulative, shitty fucking boyfriend characters that aren't taken as seriously. And that weighs it down a bit, but it's still a fucking 9 out of 10. It's still a fantastic movie. I'm so glad that we that, I, that you finally sat down and watched this. Because I knew, when I kept on telling you to watch it, that I, I knew you were going to love this movie. Oh, it's awesome. It, it's, it's just straight up up your alley. Like, it, it's, it's literally pretty much mostly everything that I know you like in slasher movies, especially. Oh, for sure. So it's like, I knew as soon as I, like, I'm like, you need to watch The Burning. Like, you don't understand. You need to watch The Burning. And I'm so glad that we finally got you to sit down and watch I that. I think the first act is better only because I love the character work. And after the killings start happening, a lot of the character work kind of cuts out. Yeah, it goes, it goes I, mostly to stalking killing, stalking killing. I wish there was more of that thrown in there. I think Friday does that a little bit better, is that when the Mixing killer comes stuff. in, there's still character stuff going on. So. Yeah, I would agree. But this film is better crafted. It's, it's more focused. There's, yeah. It's more straightforward. I think you could flip side that and say, you know, like, they drop a lot of character stuff, but I think that once the killings start, the pace gets relentless. I agree. And I think that that definitely adds to the tension a lot. But I also see the other side of the coin pretty yeah. So yeah. I think that covers this episode. Uh, we're, we now know what we're going to do for the next episode. We were very up in the air about it. But I had mentioned before how I've been watching all the Puppet Master films. And now Mike is willing to watch the first one. This will be interesting. I have oh. a lot to say. And I have a lot of questions to ask you during that episode. And I hope people are excited to see that. Because I think it's going to be a pretty good one. Jokes aside, the puppets are fucking cool, man. So, they look fucking we sick. We will see how you feel about that statement as the film finishes next week. Okay. So, to check that out on your own, come by next week. We'll talk about Puppet Master. We'll have a great time. Hope to see you then. Bye-bye.